0: All right, I think uh, we'll go ahead and get going. I'll keep an eye on the um, participant list to see if anybody else pops on, but
1: why do you go
2: ahead and okay. get started, please. Great. Um, so we're gonna go backwards from the agenda that Adam sent out earlier. We're gonna first talk about the survey that wrapped up, um, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now, um, and then we'll go through the route profiles and discuss the 10 city routes uh, route by route. So on the survey side, um, what is shown on the screen right now is the survey response rate that that we got so this is a combination both of online survey takers and those that that took the the paper survey Um, column b here shows the responses that we got that referenced any of these routes and the reason i say it that way is because some people in the survey had you know, feedback on more than one route, or they indicated they ride ride more than one route. So any um, mention of a route, we counted as a response um, relative to to that route. So what we did is um, we compared the responses to the average daily ridership for every route. Um, And then we kind of made an assumption that um, when we look at average daily ridership, that's not really looking at individuals, because most people ride more than once, and we can't Make the distinction between, um, you know, one person riding ten times or ten people riding one time. So what we did is just kind of a shortcut: is we just divided the average daily ridership. This is from April uh, 2021. We divide the average daily ridership by two as a starting point, um, assuming that most people ride, you know, outbound and then inbound uh, on a route. So that kind of gave us a sense of how many individuals we think we're using the the service in April, 2021. And that gave us kind of a a reference point for the target of the number of responses um, we were hoping to get in order to achieve a statistical significance for every route. So this number in column I, or these numbers in column I um, are the responses that we got for, for each route. Um, relative to the target, and so this column J shows whether we we met the target um, and, and whether we can say that the response rate is statistically significant at the route level and at the system level. So at the system level, um, we can say with some confidence that we have a representative sample of the total system ridership in our survey responses. At the route level, unfortunately, we can't say the same for every route. Um, So far, uh, two routes, Route 10 and Route 27, um, have crossed the threshold to be statistically significant. The the challenge and maybe the paradox is the smaller the ridership on a route is, the higher per... Percentage of that number we need back in order to say we have statistical significance because when you have a very large sample size you can get us uh, you know a, a small portion of that very large number and it's still statistically significant but when you have a small number like 24 people riding Route 34 um, in April 2021 to get a, a statistical s- significant sample we needed 23 responses and so um, we we weren't you know we did we didn't uh, cross the threshold. Um, so uh, I guess that's where we are in terms of the response rate. Um, we we kind of did a little bit of brainstorming on um, what next um, with, with Adam and, and, uh, and Margaret and a few other folks. Um, so at this point, uh, I don't know if Adam, you and Margaret, if you have any thoughts have you gotten any additional surveys? Uh, do you think you may get any additional surveys? Um, and if not, then are we satisfied with a uh, total system representation versus a route-by-route route representation, um, or do we need to take additional steps? So that's kind of the discussion item.
0: So um, I do think we're we're close on a lot of these. I think it'd be worth going back out and trying to target some surveys to see if we can get statistical significance at the route level on a lot of these that we're very close on. Um, I think it's my understanding we still have some um, some outreach capacity with with Shaki who's on the team. So We do, yeah. I think it's worth exploring that to try to get. I mean, it is heartening that we're there at the system level, but um, I don't think there's enough at the route level, especially on a lot of these. we within a very Reasonable striking distance,
2: it seems like. Right, of course, the challenge is the university services, where we don't have just a ridership pool, at you know, right now in the summer. Um, so I don't know if Margaret, do you want to weigh in on that?
3: Yeah, my feeling is that overall, we're not going to get more people doing this survey, and I think I would rather focus on the next survey. Um, for KU, because at this point, I won't have students who have ridden these routes until late August, and it seems like an unnecessary delay when it comes to the university-related routes. Mm -hmm. If we hit the number on city routes, I think that would be much more important overall, um, and we'll have an opportunity to get students to weigh in on changes um, as we move forward with the next steps of the study.
2: Okay. I like that approach. We will have another survey um, after we come up with scenarios. Um, But yeah, so any other thoughts? Uh, That makes sense to me. Okay. All right. So we'll focus on trying to um, boost the numbers a little bit on the city routes. Um, and and then move on from there okay so then the next item that I want to talk about is the route profiles so um, the way we're going to discuss these tonight is we're going to go through route by route and um, I have on my screen a slightly different way to visualize the information that's in the route profiles um, this is sh- this is a Google uh, Google Earth. Um, uh, platform. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to show route by route and discuss what each route is doing, <clears throat> the strengths and the weaknesses we identified. And if as we discuss these, we can uh, zoom into any Uh, any route, we can look at it at street level. If anyone has any questions about, um, for example, ridership generators uh, or or lack of of ridership, we can look at it from um, all kinds of different angles, all kinds of different directions. So we'll start with Route 1 and we'll talk about that first. And then if all goes well, we can make our way through each of the routes. (coughs) So uh, starting with Route 1, Um, The strengths that we identified on Route 1 is that it does provide this important link from downtown Lawrence um, down to uh, the uh, eastern part, southeastern part of the city where you have the the shelter as well as uh, Douglas County Jail. Um, So that is an important connection to make. Um, It has relatively high service frequency, so this route is operating um, every 30 minutes currently. Uh, it's a fairly direct route so, so yes it makes a number of steps but it's not backtracking in any way so it's a fairly direct route um, it serves uh, several areas of higher density so on the screen these the color coding that you see on the screen is density so um, we talked about that in, in the past but yellow areas are the areas that have kind of that minimum density to support fixed route service and then red and orange have even higher density um, So it it does serve uh, also areas that have the types of land use that we would like to see um, along a transit route, so multifamily housing, the icons that you see on the screen here, uh, the little houses are multifamily housing, the crosses are medical facilities, uh, you have shopping, uh, retail areas, educational facilities with these little uh, graduation caps, and then the uh, blue icons are community centers of, of various kinds. So um, last, lastly, the, the route does have uh, fairly strong on time performance. So these are all strengths. Some of the weaknesses that we identified for this particular route. Um, the route generates fewer than five passengers per trip on most trips on weekdays and Saturdays so fairly low ridership. Uh, it also has no Sunday service. and then. Um, no direct access to full service grocery stores. So uh, that's kind of a, an important one because um, uh, ideally every route in the system is a strong standalone route. Um, and, and then when you put those strong standalone routes together, they make for a, a even stronger network. But to be a strong standalone route, it has to have a good mix of origins and destinations, uh, a good mix of kind of anchors to sustain the route. Um, and currently, there aren't any um, supermarkets or like full service grocery stores that are um, on the route. The closest one is the Dillon's food store on Massachusetts, but none directly on the route that would allow people to have what's called a one-seat ride uh, to to a grocery store. So that's, that's a weakness. Um, So the opportunities that we identified for the route potentially is to reduce the frequency um, during lower demand time periods. So as I mentioned, this is a 30-minute service uh, throughout the service day right now. Reducing frequency could look like uh, operating with 30 minutes during peak periods, hourly off-peak. So that's that's a possibility. Uh, also modifying the route to link the areas of high density housing. So for example, along Haskell, uh, we do see um, a lot of um, multifamily housing that either is uh, apartment communities, there's, um, I think it's Douglas County, uh, or is it Lawrence? Uh, Yeah, Douglas County Housing Authority. Uh, We have several mobile home parks uh, along this route as well. Um, over here is uh, one of the bigger ones that's the Riverside Mobile Home park. So you have this good uh, concentration of multifamily housing, um, but there isn't, as I said, uh, a link to groceries. So if we can find a way to do that, um, maybe you know rerouting to Massachusetts or maybe uh, through interlining. So interlining is where a route, once it gets to the end of the line, it changes its head sign and continues on another route. Um, so people don't have to change, change vehicles. Uh, that allows for people who are going to, you know, for example, grocery shopping to have that one seed ride opportunity. So interlining would mean linking this route to some other route. Um, Uh, And then another opportunity that we identified was to replace weekend service with demand response service. Um, Weekend service is particularly light on on this route. Um, Very few trips generate even four riders per per trip. The average is 3.2. So that's kind of the level that could be served instead by uh, demand response service. So I'll pause there. um, We've we've gone through one route and I want to see if people have any thoughts uh, or any additional ideas for opportunities.
4: Hey, Boris, this is Quiz. Um, you mentioned, and maybe you can point that out on the map, could this route with a, a, a different alteration uh, stop at the Dillon's
2: en masse? Um, sure. So it, it is a possibility. Um, of course, every anytime you change something, you know somebody's going to be impacted. So here, the, the good thing about operating on Haskell is that you're in close proximity to quite a few, uh, to a high density of, of multifamily residential. So that's that's good. Uh, the bad part is that you don't have groceries. So you, if you were to link to Massachusetts, for example, um, these folks would have to then be connected by some other route, which it, it is not, I don't want to say that's not possible. It certainly is. It's just kind of the domino effect Um, but one idea is to operate this route as it is, um, through 19th street, but then continue to Massachusetts on the way up to downtown. So that's one possibility. Okay. This is Um, is Sorry, go ahead.
5: Um, I, my question is kind of off of that um, grocery store access question. Um, this is Laura McCulloch. I was wondering how that decision would be made. Um, would that be presented to the public as a couple options? Like if if, it, if there were some sort of a, an option for a route to bring that route in closer to the grocery store versus, as you mentioned, or as having a switch at the top of the destination so that they remain on the bus. Um, and continued on to another route, that sort of thing, how would those decisions be made?
2: Right, so um, our next step after these pro route profiles is to start putting together service scenarios. And the service scenarios will be, there will be two scenarios and they'll, they'll be very different from one another, but they'll both try to meet the same kind of set of guiding principles. And so the guiding principles are things like service should be simple, sir, uh, each route should, have, should serve a strong market, should have a good mix of origins and destinations. So even though the, the, the aim will be the same on the scenarios, they will be very different in the way that the networks look. So one may have a reroute of, uh, of this route, the other one may have an inner line of this route.
6: This is August. So I just have a question. Maybe I'm not understanding. Is there no, is the 15 going to go down Barker or is there no, no route going down Barker Avenue? Because 1908 East 19th, 1600 Haskell Avenue, plus all the Prairie Park neighborhood depend on a line going down Barker to get to the
2: Dillonstone Mass. Sure. Um, yeah. So at this point we, you know, there's nothing that is, that has been, um, determined at, at all. So, um, there's, you know, the 15 could be part of the solution here, um, but it's not the the only option. Uh, let's see, Barker, I believe is right here. Yeah, so this is Barker right here. Um, so, so there there certainly could be, and we'll talk about the 15, some ideas for the 15 as we as we go through this. But that is certainly an idea um, uh, that, that that could be part of the solution.
6: Okay, thank you. And that's and a good.
0: For, August brought that up because I. I also did the same thing where I was kind of just looking at one and 15 and how they kind of traverse the same areas, do a couple of different things. They, they branch in different ways at the end of the route, one going towards the shelter and jail, the other going towards Venture Park and the, the employees up there. So I think it's worth exploration of how routes travel in this direction and where they end up and mm-hmm. And is it, do, do these get pieced together in some other way, you know, to still serve?
2: Sure. Yeah, and Barker, we, I was gonna, we will talk about Barker a bit later, but one of the other layers that we have at, uh, at our disposal here is a ridership layer. So um, on, this one is color-coded um, a little bit differently than in the route profiles where we had the pie charts. This one is just looking at boardings. Um, so the, the red, uh, Obviously, the, the red is the higher boarding areas, the uh, yellow and orange are lower. So, you know, Barker hasn't been a strong corridor, um, uh, at least historically, but that's something that we can look at as, as well. So, um, all right, let's turn that off and let's look at the next route. Okay, next we'll look at route three. Um,
0: Boards. Just before we get too deep into all of this, did I know we use the word interlining a couple of times? Is, this, is the group familiar with what that means? Did we talk about what interlining was?
2: Right. So, interlining inner is what I that um, kind of what I just tried to describe previously. Where a route may end uh, once it gets its endpoint, it it may continue on another route, um, and it it'll change its head sign. But the same vehicle or or um, group of vehicles will operate along more than one route. There's a lot of benefits for interlining. Um, one of those benefits is that you can play around a little bit more with the schedules. So for example, on Route uh, 1, which we looked at, we had the the thought about um, maybe we can operate hourly uh, versus every 30 minutes. So Route 1 right now, if I'm not mistaken, um, requires the travel time for route one, if the travel time for route one is too short or any route for that matter is too short, it's it's hard to operate at hourly service frequency without having a lot of sitting around time. In other words, the vehicle will get to the end of the line, um, maybe it takes it 40 minutes to do uh, a round trip. If it takes 40 minutes to do a round trip, you can't really operate that service hourly without also having a, a 20, 20 minute break um, to make up the difference. And so interlining can kind of, eat up some of the excess layover time. So for example, if you have one route that has very poor on-time performance because its schedule is very tight, another route that has excess uh, layover time, you can link those together and you can have the the entire circuit having um, a good amount of layover time among the two routes um, rather than pushing all the layover to one route and then not giving the other route enough layover time. Um, It's a lot easier to explain in a spreadsheet, um, but, uh, you know, hopefully that makes sense to, to some folks. And then the other benefit, of course, is that interlining does provide for a one-seat ride so people don't have to get off the bus even if they're transferring transferring to another route.
0: Yeah, thank you for walking through that. And, that, and Laura makes a good comment in chat um, about that's, that's a potential way to connect this to a grocery store. And I think just for the sake of discussion, while you already have Route 3 up, could you turn back on Route 1 as well? Yep. Like, I don't know that this necessarily makes sense, but this is a good um, example of like if these were interlined. I know in route one, we have quite a bit of layover time. We're able to complete that quicker and and tend to have a decent amount of layover at the library. And I know route three is quite tight. So, for just for the sake of kind of where we're at right now, this could be an interesting, um, you know, if that northbound route one just continued to throughout three and then came back and that's what's out one that would
2: be
1: a way that interlining could happen
2: exactly exactly and then so that kind of um, Leads to the question of why not just call these a single route? Why not just call the whole thing route one? And the reason the argument against calling it all route one is if you have a major uh, ridership turnover point like downtown, it can create confusion. If you have a route called route one that goes north and a route called route one that goes south, they're very different markets and you don't want a person to accidentally get on the, the wrong bus. If they're trying to get go south, you don't want them to get on a bus heading north just because it had a one on it. So even if these routes are operated by the same vehicle, um, it makes sense to still change the head sign to, to make sure the new folks getting on downtown get on the right bus all right so let's let's talk about route three um, okay so route three uh, the benefit some of the strengths of Route 3 is that it provides um, an important link to the Lawrence Memorial Hospital uh, campus, which is right here. Um, it's a relatively frequent service at uh, 30 minutes service all day. Um, it serves several large Uh, employment centers, distribution centers, logistics hubs, whatever you wanna call them, um, up in the north part of the city. Um, It also has, uh, it does serve some areas of high density residential, especially along Michigan Street, um, where again, you have a mix of um, apartment communities and mobile home parks. Um, And it is a strong route in terms of on-time performance. Some of the weaknesses of the route, are that it, uh, like Route 1, it has fewer than five passengers per per trip on most trips. The average is 2.8 on weekdays and 2.4 on Saturdays. Um, It has low ridership north of Second Avenue. I'm going to just turn the ridership on real quick so we can see that clearly. Okay, so you'll see the ridership sort of wanes um, once you get past the hospital area. Um, Another, weakness is that it has this um, fairly long segment of one-way service. So buses go northbound on Michigan Street, but then come back south on Iowa Street. So the effect of that is that a person who gets on the bus at some of these apartments along Michigan Street, they have to ride out of direction. If if they're trying to go downtown, they have to ride northbound before they can finally start heading southbound. And, And for a lot of opposite course. Yeah, oh sorry true. sorry sorry okay yeah. so they go northbound in Iowa okay so that means that if they're um, going home from downtown they either have to get off um, before the bus heads north on Iowa and then they have to walk or they ride out of direction and then back to get home um, but nevertheless that one-way service uh, tends to be a a barrier for a lot of folks who have a choice. Um, Choice riders, you may have heard the term before, if they have a choice, they may not consider this a viable option. Um, And then another issue here is no direct access to to a supermarket again. So those are things we'd we'd wanna address. So the opportunities here are first of all, to reduce off-peak frequency, to improve productivity. So um, again, doing a 30-60 versus a 30 all day. Um, Truncating the route at Lawrence Memorial Hospital, which is here where the ridership is highest, truncating the route here to improve productivity, potentially replacing the northern portion of the route with a demand response service, um, if you do truncate the fixed route there, Um, also operating the service along one of these two alignments, um, rather than splitting the difference, Um, you may lose some ridership but um, you probably would gain ridership on the segment that has the consistent um, inbound and outbound alignment. Um, and then also modifying the route to link uh, the, the residential with a grocery store. Could, there, there's a few different options how that could be done, but, but that's something that should be considered. And then um, replacing weekend service with demand response service, because again, weekend ridership is fairly low at 2.4 um, passengers per trip on average. Any, any thoughts on this one?
6: This is or, August Buddha. So may I ask a question, are you attempting to achieve uh, grocery store access on every route? Because And I'm just curious, because I don't know, Are you? because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Because when I think of the three route, the reason why I ask is when I think of three, I think of Barry Plastics and nothing else. Well, the hospital and Barry Plastics and 101 North Michigan and 250 North Michigan, stuff like that.
2: Right, so um, I don't want to say blanket, yes, we want to have it on every, we want to have a grocery store on every route, but we want every route to have a good mix of origins and destinations, to have um the opportunity to to be very strong on its own um even without forcing people to transfer so to be a strong route people have to be able to sort of build their lives around that route and be able to accomplish a lot of the kind of basic tasks that you you do day in and day out um, along that route without being forced to transfer to to do something as simple as going to a grocery store so you know, maybe some routes wouldn't have a grocery store. Um, they maybe they'd have a, f- a pharmacy or you know something else. But to the great, to the extent possible, we want to link to somewhere where people can get groceries. Maybe it's a Walmart, maybe it's uh, an actual grocery store, but something like that.
6: Okay, thank you. I was just curious.
2: Yeah, and that that goes for the city routes. I think it's, it's a bit of a different story for for um, the university service because those are. A kind of a different animal those are what we call site specific shuttles they're designed to meet the mobility needs that are very specific to to the site that they serve um, but for the general purpose citywide routes we would want every route to be a strong standalone route. Okay. Boris
4: this is Quiz um, when you mentioned this route possibly being you know on demand on Saturdays because of 2.4 Uh, I thought you said during the weekdays it was 2.6 and I'm just curious what what is your cutoff for what would be considered possible on demand and not because 2.4 and 2.6 sound pretty close to me but
2: yeah it was actually 2.8 which isn't that much better (laughs) but but still you're right um. Well, let me back up by saying that the opportunities that we identify in the profiles are really a brain dump. I mean, they're not meant to, some of them are contradictory by nature because some there's usually more than one way to, to fix a poorly performing route. One way could be to kill the route altogether and to replace it with microtransit or demand response or something else. Another way would be to invest more resources into that route to, to operate more frequently and try to appeal to more riders. So and then also some of the opportunities could be combined. So for example, if you had a demand response service um, north uh, of 2nd Second, Second Street, then you could have potentially more frequent service on this southern portion of the route that is still going to be fixed route service. So you could combine uh, fixed route service Um, with a demand response option north of second street but that fixed route service is probably still going to be strongest during weekdays so potentially on weekends the entire route could be replaced by demand response service whereas on weekdays just the northern tier of it so those you know that's kind of how these ideas could be taken you know as as a group or individually or some combination of that
4: okay thank you
2: what
1: can you speak to the utilization of the the stops along Iowa.
2: Sure. So this is the, um, uh, the Hallmark facility if, right here. So we have, we can actually click and see what the ridership was. This was from 2019. Um, I forgot the month. Maybe somebody remembers what month. Actually,
3: but, Boris, where you just had your mouse is the hospital. Oh. Let's
2: um, you're, see. Your That's your great spot.
3: Uh, yeah, this. I might be experiencing
2: a delay, I apologize. Uh, uh, yeah, well, the, hosp- yeah, the hospital has fairly high ridership. So, but what um, with this, I think it, it does sometimes lag, so, so that that could happen. Um, what we see here is that there were 4.8 boardings and 9.6 alightings uh, during the month that this ridership data represents. Um, so it's not, you know, super high ridership as compared to this stop, for example, where we have um, so eleven boardings, fourteen alightings uh, at the hospital. Um, so that's uh, we can look at other stops if you're if you're interested along Iowa Street.
1: Well, I I, I bring this up in point in part because um, I can't recall if there's a year of construction if it's next year, but the Lawrence Loop Trail is going to connect Peterson uh, behind hallmark over to Michigan, okay. uh, which provides pretty nice pedestrian access. Hmm. Um, That's
3: true, but they don't plan to actually close the roads when they do that, because it's
1: fairly minimal. Well, I, guess, I I live with yeah, Creighton, so
3: I at the-
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't, I, I certainly wasn't anticipating any road closure. Just thinking along the lines of if they're, you know, if given the discussion about the, how, given the variability in the route, how some people have to double back if, you know, a singular route was chosen along Michigan, at least there will be an option, you know, a year out to provide much more direct pedestrian access uh, from also the north part of a, a more northerly spot on on Michigan over to Iowa as well. Uh, which I don't know how much that factors in decision making, but
2: no, it's really good to know. So yeah, that's that's a really, really good, good
1: point. Did we give them a layer
3: about that, Adam, with the loop information?
0: We did not provide yeah that that project information for this yet. That's a good point. I'm glad Chris brought it
1: Yeah, it's a it's a k KDOT funded project. It'll act there'll actually be an underpass under McDonald Road. Um, over to Michigan, so it provides um, also a somewhat safer <laughs> pedestrian environment than like second and having to cross Donald Drive, and so
2: yeah, that's
1: I think I think thinking about how that factors into this decision is probably helpful.
2: Sure, sure, that's that's a great piece of information, Boris. This is Gary
7: Weber. Morris, I've had a number of people complain to me about the non alignment of one way sections like this, and when I look at your. uh, uh, Route report for this, I see the northbound and southbound and. uh, I'm trying to think if you if you if you routed the bus on one of these two options, which way it would be? Is there any piece of data that would tell us? I look at, when I look at the two maps for northbound and southbound on the route studies, it seems to me that the Michigan Street has a small, you know, the circles relate to size our, our number of of alightings and embarkings. So it seems that they're quite a, they're, they're significantly more alighting as embarkings on the North Iowa segment of this loop in there are on the on the Michigan segment is that correct
2: uh, it appears that's the case so this stop for example 2.3 boardings four lightings and there was uh, less than one on average here versus this one that has four point eight and nine point six um, but I, I I do think that that trail is you know that's a bit of a game changer um, because We're not seeing a whole lot of ridership along Michigan Street now for whatever reason, but I think it's hard to judge those people (laughs) for not riding because the service is inconvenient. So if the service did operate uh, along the consistent alignment coming and going, I think there's a lot of ridership potential here. Obviously, Hallmark is a big employer. So, um, you know, that's there's a case to be made for them, too. It's just a matter of who do we force to walk uh, along that trail, and I, I don't have, you know, I don't have a um, an answer for that. We could have, again, in the scenarios that we develop, we could have one scenario where there's service along Michigan and another where there's service along Iowa, and then see what the public says.
6: Well, to Boris's point about ridership potential, uh, this August we just saw Michigan, North Michigan has has two trailer parks, a apartment complex, not in the Sandra Shea, Sandra Shea um park so there are quite a few people who are low income or houseless and rely on public transit 2019 may not represent that because it it wasn't a a factor per se but i think north michigan does have quite a a large rider potential
2: okay all right um we will move on um also adam i don't see the i think we had this issue last time I, i don't see the the chat box um, very easily. So if there's anybody that says, put something in chat, please, please let me know.
0: Yep, I'm
3: keeping my eye on it.
2: Okay. Um, Let's do route four next. Okay, I'm gonna turn off the ridership so you can see it better. So route four, the um, strength, really one of the main strengths about this route is that it does provide this key, connection to North Lawrence, Um, it's the only, or or to this part of of North Lawrence, Um, it's the only route that is uh, traveling up here to Locust Street and and Lyon and 7th Street and the DMV up here. Uh, So that's a pretty important connection. It has um, hourly service frequency, which um, we described it as easy to remember clock face frequency. I don't know if everybody knows the term clock face frequency. Not. It's kind of one of those terms like interlining that we use a lot in transit, but um, uh, normal people may not know. But clock face essentially means that um, the if, if the schedule goes into 60 evenly, then you can have a very re- recurring repetitive schedule so the bus will if the bus can arrive at the top of the hour every hour or 30 past the hour at the top of the hour 30 past hour every hour so you know 15 minute frequency 20 minute frequency 30 minute frequency 60 minute frequency all those are called clock face frequencies because they happen at the same time every hour as opposed to a 40 minute service frequency which will jump around the clock so one hour it may be 20 after the other hour the next hour maybe 40 after so it's sort of jumping around around the clock Okay. So it does have clock face frequency, even though it's a bit infrequent at hourly service. Um, it provides weekday and Saturday service, which is, which is good, and then it has strong on-time performance. The weaknesses are, again, low ridership. Um, the average is 4.1 uh, passengers per trip on weekdays, 2.7 on Saturdays. It has a somewhat circuitous alignment uh, through North Lawrence, uh, so, Locust Street to 7th to Lyon, that's, you know, if somebody's going to the DMV, for example, that is a bit of a, uh, you know, deviation for them. Um, however, there are railroad tracks here that, that offer few crossing opportunities. Um, there are some, but uh, not, not a lot. So, that's something to consider. There's no Sunday service. And then, again, no direct uh, service to a supermarket unless the Merck co-op is considered... A full-service supermarket, and I'm not sure in your community how that's viewed—if it—if it is considered or not a full-service supermarket.
7: I would say this is Gary Weber. I would say that the Merc Co-op is considered in our community a full-service supermarket.
2: Okay. Is it? Um, are there any issues with kind of pricing? Um, I know that sometimes those kind of—no, there there aren't. Okay. No, so- they they make they make a strong effort to keep
7: the the pricing competitive with full-size supermarkets.
2: Okay, great. So in that case, um, the opportunities that uh, could be considered here are realigning the route. Um, Well, that was the grocery idea. So I'll just skip that for now. Um, Replace the route with demand response service, improve coverage and productivity. So let's look at the ridership here. Um, So it's more, in this case, in the case of North Lawrence, it's it's as much a coverage issue as a productivity issue because there are some stops that do generate uh, fairly reasonably high ridership. So this stop has 15 boardings and 12 12 and a half lightings uh, on average a day. Um, but this area overall, you know, probably could be could uh, be served by a demand response service that could provide better coverage. If there was demand response service in this area, the fixed route could be streamlined. So you could kind of have both potentially, you could have the fixed route uh, service along 2nd Avenue, but then also broader coverage with demand response as, as uh, a possibility. Um, another idea is to shift the service from Lion Street to North Street to provide better access to the Riverside Mobile Home Park. So that's this here. This is the Riverside Mobile Home Park. Um, If buses came up 7th to North North Road, uh, they would have closer access to to these folks. Um, Any thoughts on any of those opportunities?
4: Boris, this is Quiz. If you offered a straight line service um, to the to um, the far north portion of that and did demand, you know, in the Lions area, if you offered straight line service, how much time would be saved on that route by taking off the Lions piece? And then could you add that somewhere else on another part of the route to kind of keep it in the same time frequency?
2: Sure, sure. Um- yeah, you you definitely could. Any time savings on a route, uh, you know, that may be five or eight minutes that you could save uh, on on that route. You could apply, may you know, potentially to extend the route further on on Ninth Street, um, or you know, potentially because we do we Ninth Street itself does does have a number of um, apartment communities. Um, there's a number of places where you could reinvest the resources. You could also, put, again, potentially interline the route. And sometimes uh, interlining doesn't work because the schedules of the two routes do, don't align very well. Either there's just not enough time available to interline um, or the routes are on different different schedules. Like you can't interline one route that's every 30 minutes with another, that's every 40 minutes, they have to be on the same schedule. So saving time anywhere could be um, reinvested, I guess you could say somewhere else.
6: August, so I do definitely like the 420 North Street route because that is another low-income trailer park. Um, I don't understand the redundancy of, of Lion Street. I think it, either Northbound or Southbound coming straight down North 3rd would make sense, but at least having one route come up lion to North Street and then one route just straight down uh, North 3rd makes sense to me.
2: So let me ask you about that. If you were, if you had service on 3rd, then is, is third street north third close enough to this mobile home park um, um would...
6: mm-hmm. yeah i mean north 420 north street is less than half a mile from north third street and it's at that wood oil and the o'reilly's i think is right there so mm-hmm. you could i mean it i guess it could catch it there but mm-hmm. there's also lake street that that north if it came up lion or uh, if it came up 7th street i think it does right now and hit north street it would also hit lake street and lower street i think which is also uh ldcha housing
2: okay um is that over here so this is lake street yeah
6: yeah at, at 7th and north street i think is ldcha housing
2: okay got it
6: but that's just my, my my thoughts. Okay.
4: I guess you- a quick question for Adam, like, and I don't know, or maybe even Jessica. Historically, have we ever had any requests out in that area to change this route to service other areas out in there?
0: Um, I guess what I can think of. I know there's been discussions about. Um, increased access to the DMV. It already goes there, but maybe it's uh more frequency, you know, folks who are trying to travel um, um like through the court system and need to go to the DMV for those reasons. Uh, I don't think I've heard anything else just kind of general about general coverage like we'd like to see it on the street or or moving it somewhere else. I haven't heard too much of that. I'm I'm very intrigued though by August. Uh, is insight on some of the things going on over there. Yeah, I'll have to look at Third Street, just thinking about the utility of that versus second.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious what it looks like. It would
3: need significant improvements on the railroad crossing for a bus to cross the railroad on Third that crossing is in terrible shape compared
2: to seven. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, uh, I believe doesn't it cross the tracks twice, in fact, or no, there's just Oh, yeah, there are looks like there's because maybe active tracks and not active tracks. There's uh, Just a, a
3: number of there are a number of railroad tracks right there, but they're all together. So you cross them all at the same time.
7: Okay. All right. I, I don't know, this is Gary Weber. Those two that you see in the foreground of that image serve the grain elevator and they're almost never used. But the, the, uh, the ones that are forward there where the, where the signalized crossing are, are like Margretta said, they're in abysmal shape and uh, they are even more prone to having trains parked on them than the seventh street crossing is. So okay. there, would, there would be some issues with third street crossing. You'd have m- more chance of a train stopped on that than you would at the seventh street crossing.
2: Okay, yeah, that's, that's good insight too, because uh, it, it's devil's always in the details. So if there are long trains that stop here on a regular basis, then yeah. that could cause all kinds of problems for on-time performance.
7: Most go through, but occasionally there is a stop. And In fact, what about... I've, I've used seven when I've used this four when uh, when the bus was actually blocked at the Seventh Street crossing and had it to wait uh, about fifteen to twenty minutes. I don't mm. think it happens very often. I also want to say, I would support the movement to North Street rather than uh, where it is currently now.
2: And. The Second Street Bridge or underpass. It's is it um, sufficiently tall for for buses? Is that yes? Okay.
3: Sometimes it, it semis drive under there regularly.
2: Okay. All right. Great. Okay. If you,
3: my thought about North State from driving there is that that would definitely lend itself to August's suggestion of making it go one direction through the neighborhood and the other direction on third because i don't think we would want our bus to have to make the left turn without a signal at north street off of north second that would be a terrible thing to have to do every 30 minutes
2: yeah and i i would be hesitant in in general to um to have to get into the habit of having different alignments in the north and southbound direction because I think we're trying to uh, address those and move away from those. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to introduce new, new versions of that. Yeah. I, I think if we stayed on 7th and we came to North Street versus Lion Street, um, I, I think that could work. Uh, or if there is.
3: Well, sub- the, difference, the difference is that North has no light and Lion does. And I believe that's why the bus goes down Lyon is because it has a signal.
2: Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. So a left turn from second to north would be challenging. In
3: a car, it sucks. It might be easier in a bus, but the traffic is generally going a lot faster than 45 miles an hour. And this is me speaking as somebody who's lived in North Florence, not Mm -hmm. me speaking as somebody running KU buses.
2: Yeah, so we would we would never recommend a turn from a smaller street, a left turn from a smaller street onto a larger street. We would we would never do that. But um, occasionally, a, a from a larger street to a smaller street is less problematic because it's something that you know you can yield to traffic. You don't you may not have to come to a complete stop even when, as you're making that turn. It's not ideal, but it's something that we're more comfortable recommending than this kind of movement. All right, um, let's move on to route five. One quick thing, Boris Gary Weber. Again, if
7: you went with a North Second Street alignment and skipped the digression through the through the neighborhood, if you just went up North Second and down North Second, how would a client use that uh, on-demand service to get home? Uh, if say they got out at one of the stops that would be along 2nd Street, how how would they um, manage to get an on-demand ride from there to their home in North Lawrence?
2: Right, so t- typically the way that it would work is... Um whenever you implement a demand response service and the more modern version of that is called microtransit service, when you do that, it has to have a strong anchor where people can can make transfers to other types of services. In the case of North Lawrence, I would probably make that, recommend that anchor be at the downtown hub. It's fairly close, so a person you know, that makes their way downtown and they live in any of the uh, neighborhoods in, up here in North Lawrence, they would be able to just bypass the fixed route service altogether and just use um, the microtransit option. Now that microtransit zone may not extend to the DMV, for example, because we don't wanna cannibalize the potential ridership of a fixed route. So if there was fixed route service along 2nd Street, um, it would probably serve the DMV, whereas the neighborhood would be served by a demand response service. Thank you. Okay, um, next we have Route 5. Okay, so Route 5, the s- strengths that we identified were that it provides uh, crosstown service between the East Hills Business Park and the Iowa Street corridor. We have um, a whole lot of retail we um, have a lot of stuff actually in that corridor. It's a very, very destination-rich corridor, but um, it at the southern end it's sort of anchored with a lot of retail. Um, it has uh, it provides a very direct alignment with with few deviations. The the only notable deviation is to Haskell, um, to the university there. Um, easy to remember, clock face frequency. Uh, as for regarding Haskell, it does connect the campus to retail and grocery destinations. So. people that may be living on campus have access to retail and grocery destinations. Um, It offers weekday and Saturday service and it has strong on-time performance. The weaknesses are that it has low ridership, um, much lower ridership than we would expect given the the land use and the density along this route. So uh, there's some question about why why that is. Um, This is kind of an aside, but I suspect maybe it's because even though at 30,000 feet, it looks like it has great land use along the, the path. Um, in reality, some of the apartment communities, for example, are off of 23rd Street, so there's a, a bit of a distance to cover to get to the, the service corridor. And then 23rd Street itself is a fairly, um, you know, big street that's not a doesn't make for a great pedestrian environment, so um, so even though you have a whole lot of multifamily housing, there may be some uh, uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it's a little bit intimidating for for people to catch buses along Twenty Third Street from from these um, neighborhoods. That, that's my thought, but I, I'd be glad to hear your your thoughts as well. Um, the other weaknesses are that. Uh, this this service isn't anchored at any of the major hubs of the system, so it's not anchored at either Ku or downtown. So because of that, transfer opportunities are a little bit um, uh, un a little bit of an unknown, I think, for riders. Because if a, if a person gets downtown or to Ku, they kind of know the, the the environment in which they're waiting for a transfer, and they also know that schedules are. Are, you know, there's an attempt to coordinate schedules more so that than at a random um, intersection along 23rd Street. So um, that that's an issue as well. Um, and then there is some redundancy on this route with other routes like the 7 and the 15. So the 7 is here. So you see that the 7 does kind of at least between 23rd Street and the southern part of Iowa, there's a little bit of redundancy. And then the 15 um, provides also some redundancy from the business park, from the office park. Um, they, they follow the same alignment. So some opportunities for this route. Uh, first of all, you could potentially split the route into two into two routes. There's a few different ways you could do that, but um, one option would be to kind of link the office park with the um, Haskell campus, and then from the Haskell campus head up to downtown. So that could be one route, so that links Haskell to downtown. Another, if you split it there, the remainder of the route maybe could serve the southern part of Iowa, um, maybe also serve serving Haskell and then maybe ending up at uh, KU to, per, to provide the connection between KU and Haskell, but then also preserving the access for Haskell students to retail. So that's, you know, one possibility is putting the route. There are, there are other possibilities. Um, I think, Adam, you came up with another idea. I think you said service along Clinton Parkway. Um, and I, maybe you...
0: Yeah, the, this route to me highlights a couple of major corridors that we don't have consistent service throughout town on. So, um, you know, could could this route still go out to the business park, but also serve the other, you know, as 23rd street turns into Clinton Parkway could could serve that entire corridor. So you can take a one ride right seat east to west across town. Mm-hmm. Or similar to that, the north south segment, um, down to Iowa to the South Iowa retail. We don't have a route that serves from there all the way to 6th Street along the Iowa Street Corridor. And the Iowa Street Corridor and the 23rd Clinton Corridor are two major travel corridors in our city. And it would be, um, I think, good for us to consider if buses can also travel those rational kind of corridor movements. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Iowa one is a little easier to imagine that connecting with the future hub at Bob Billings in Iowa. The 23rd Street in Clinton is a little more tricky. You'd have to decide if it just, you know, it would have the same issues as you described now. If it didn't connect to a hub, it would be kind of this route you'd have to figure out where transfers can comfortably happen. Um, Or you could commit to, as it travels east and as it travels west, it would, it could dive up to Bob Billings to connect with the, the hub and then come right back out to 23rd and continue on. Um, it's not a pretty deviation, but it would be a way to keep you in one seat east to west.
2: Right. Yeah, my my concern with the Clinton Parkway 23rd Street Corridor is that we actually looked at the travel demand, what the right regional travel demand model um, is showing as far as where people that are going to the office park are coming to and from, Um, I'll I'll show that here. So interestingly enough, the office park and the South Iowa uh, street corridor, those are linked in terms of um, overall travel patterns in the region, but for some reason, people are choosing not to do that by transit or they don't feel comfortable making that connection by transit. And I wonder if it's just the 23rd street corridor itself that is just so challenging for pedestrians. maybe that's it, because there, there there, clearly is a travel demand um, for other modes, so.
0: The other thing I'll mention about the 23rd Street corridor, from the Haskell Bridge eastbound all the way to O'Connell is getting rebuilt soon to be much more pedestrian-friendly. 23rd um, Street okay. used to be, well, it's still labeled on, on this map as K10. Um, the K10 designation actually shifted to this uh, South Iowa um, the South Lawrence trafficway okay. so 23rd Street in that section is no longer K10 um, okay so it, it it will be transitioning the eastern part of it to be a little more landscaped and friendly and shared use paths and feel a little more buffered for pedestrian walking so I don't know how, how much that changes things for us but it is something on our horizon
6: this is August. So I thought Route 29 was gonna alleviate the Route 5 going to the Hainu part. Was that, that was a change that made two years ago or was I dreaming? You mean 27? Uh, 27, yeah, and I knew it was one of the 20s.
2: So we will talk about 27 and you're right. So it does, 20, Route 27 does connect the two campuses, um, KU and Hainu, uh, Hi, is, is that how you guys say it, Hainu?
6: Can you? Yeah, you? I, I have no idea. I just guessed.
2: I'm going to call it Haskell. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So 27 does does do that, and we we will talk about 27 in, in a minute. Um, but you're you're, you're correct that it does also serve the campus or both campuses. Okay. Oh, what, this is
7: Gary Weber. Real quickly. This is an interesting route because one end is an employment destination and the other is a retail destination. So as I look at your boardings and, and, and uh, our, our, our lightings, people aren't don't seem to be getting on in South Iowa and going to the business park, but a lot of people are going to the business park, those are people picking it up on the way to go to work. And then they get off on it and stop but they don't go to South Iowa when they get off work at 5.30. So this seems like a little interesting alignment because it doesn't really get people to work efficiently or home from work if, if work destination is the East Hill Business Park.
2: You see what I mean? I do, I, I agree completely because the, on, you know, on paper, both of these are very strong destinations, but it must there's something about the way that this is linked that isn't really resonating with people. Well, I think Um, they go to South Iowa to shop
7: in the evening and on weekends and they go to work on the weekday morning and evening. So there are two different sets of trips. People don't generally come from work and go to South Iowa. They go home to get dinner.
4: Right. Right. Just real quick. This is quiz. What is the is this 30 minute headway on this? This
2: is currently 30 minute. Yeah. 30 minute headway. Okay.
4: I was going to ask a question on any of our routes for us is there an ideal like maximum limit that folks should be traveling on a bus for them to then say you know if it was over 30 minutes and it was 40 minute headway that's too much for them they're going to take a different mode of transit you know so what is your recommended like p the the max that somebody should be on a bus
2: oh okay so well so there's two two kind of numbers two metrics that we need to keep in our mind. One is, is headways, which is also called frequency. So that's how often the bus will come to a, a given stop. The other one is travel time. So travel time is how long a person is, is on the bus from, you know, start to finish of their, of their trip. Um, we want to keep both of those as low as possible if we want to increase ridership as much as possible. But there's always a push and pull because, for example, if you streamline a route and you make it, um, that that reduces the amount of time a persons on a bus because the bus can travel as, you know, as directly as possible. But then you can miss out on some key ridership destinations um, along the way if, you know, if you don't deviate into some neighborhoods and, and so on. So there's always finding that right balance um, when you have a deviation, which does Result in a lo- longer travel time. It should be very justified. So in this case, Haskell is a deviation from the more direct path, and I would argue that probably a college or university is a justifiable deviation from from the most direct path. Um, uh, so I, I'm not sure there's a silver bo- like single number that I can tell you that you know people shouldn't be on the bus for more than you know 20 or 30 minutes because it really is something that needs to be considered in comparison to other modes so for example if your option is driving um, and it takes you 10 minutes to drive from point a to point b and then it takes you an hour and a half to take the bus that's not a very compelling uh you know argument for someone on the other hand if it's a 30-minute trip by car a 20-minute trip by bus you know that can be competitive so
6: this is august so and it really just depends on destination and orient our starting point from my house to north lawrence it's a 45 minute bus ride but when i worked in east hills business park because it is a direct route it's a 10 minute bus ride so it just depends on where you're starting from and where you're going but right. I, like i tell people plan on 45 minutes right right
2: okay
6: highlight i saw you know
0: uh, carol and chris made a couple of comments in the, in the chat related to um Twenty-third Street just is a very auto-oriented, especially that east side. The businesses there—it's it, quite an auto, auto-oriented place, even with um, some of the pedestrian improvements that are coming. Uh, what, what's happening out there can feel, uh, you know, like a car space and not a human space. I think is a good observation by both of them. Um, yeah. I did also, as Gary was talking, I was looking more closely at the map and thinking about yeah, that that kind of to and from work, and you do see. I guess when I look at um, at like Neesmith, between Neesmith and, and East Hills, there, there's a lot more boardings and alignings in each, in each direction between that stretch and just maybe signifies kind of what Gary was alluding to, people going to and from home, home to work, and, and there's some grocery along there too. I mean, people might be chaining their trips to, to go to different places, but see stronger alignment. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. I, you know, another thing to consider is the convenience of connections, because the this route does serve a lot of great destinations, but some, some people may have to transfer to get to this route to reach those destinations, and transferring out in the field, so to speak, along 23rd Street or somewhere else, um, even along Iowa Street, just may not be very appealing to folks. So that's uh, sometimes the argument for routing. Uh, as many routes as possible through through, key, through, through hubs, um, downtown, KU, the future Bob Billings um, hub, because it just makes for a more pleasant transfer experience. Okay. And, uh,
0: Carol put in the chat, uh, just following up on Gary's comment, what destinations do residents need for work? Uh, of course you wanna to speak to
2: that. What destinations do residents need for work? Is that what she said?
0: What destinations do residents need for
2: work? Okay, um, well, the office park out here is 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 pretty uh, is a destination-rich environment as far as uh, work destinations go. Um, you know, KU obviously is the big elephant in in your community. Um, a lot of people work there um, downtown as well. So uh, we have a map. I'm not this map is showing a combination of employment and um, residential density. I have another map that I don't have it up right now, but it's just showing employment density. Um, So that's one of the factors that we look at uh, as we're trying to figure out which areas should you know need to be connected by by transit. So hopefully that This is
5: Carol Bowen. Um, what I was wondering, like in North Lawrence, where we have very little ridership with a lot of potential, where do those folks need to go? They oh. need to go to the grocery store. They need to go to work. How are they getting there?
2: Yep, yep. Okay. That's a, that's a great question. So um, one way that we can answer that is looking at the travel demand model, so the, which is here. Um, the travel demand model tells us where the most prevalent connections are. And we actually filtered this out to only show the highest ridership um, uh, uh, trip pairs. So actually from North Lawrence, there isn't anything that reaches the threshold of being a very heavy um, single uh, connection. It's a little bit, I don't want to I don't want to say that no that there's not a lot of trips from North Lawrence to other places there are but they they're diffused so in other words there's not kind of that critical mass of everyone from North Lawrence is going to to any one place because that's what these these yellow orange and red lines are showing they're showing the travel patterns that have that critical mass of activity that you could say okay now uh, there's enough people making that trip that we should consider a transit connection um, North Lawrence is it, it had doesn't have any anything of that level. Okay. Does that, Carol? Does that does that help at all?
5: We've got the data, but if we want to get them on the bus, we have to figure out where they need to go.
2: Sure. Yeah. And and so when you don't know where a person is going, the safest bet is to connect them to a place where they can make uh, countless transfer opportunities. So connecting North Lawrence to downtown or some other major hub Opens up the world to them, right? So it allows them to transfer to anywhere else within the the service area, and that's kind of the priority. So whether that is a fixed route connection or a um, demand response connection, that's that's something that is kind of top on our priority list. All right, let's move on to route six. Okay, so route six. is a route that provides an important link um, to Northwest Lawrence um, from, from downtown. And when I say Northwest Lawrence, there's a, a few key destinations out there. You have the Rock Chalk Park, and then now you also have the uh, medical uh, camp, I guess it's the LHM, it's called LHM West or, or something like L-M-H that. LMH West. LMH, sorry, LMH West, yep, LMH West. Um, I, I don't have, we didn't have ridership data for that, for the hospital because it wasn't open uh, yet when we, uh, you know, in the ridership data that we collected. So I'm curious, um, Adam, are you seeing a lot of ridership out there at the hospital? Um, I think we're seeing
0: comparable numbers to uh, what we saw at Rock Chalk. Um, So not, not real high. I think that, you know, it hasn't been, it's been running just about a year. So I think mm-hmm. we, a change like that you slowly gain ridership from people who realize oh yeah i can take this to work Um, we'll we'll have to see how that develops
2: okay so um it's a pretty direct alignment um, uh, with easy to remember schedules Um, there are multiple transfer opportunities that this route provides uh downtown so those are all those are all great things about it. Some of the weaknesses um, are that there's low ridership west of Wakarusa, although that might've changed now with with the hospital, I'm not sure. Um, Also there's, uh, west of Wakarusa there's also, the the stops are not very frequently spaced um, and that's kind of a push and pull argument also. If you space stops too frequently, then it can slow down service. But if they're spaced too far apart, then um, people may not have convenient access to some of their destinations. Um, another weakness is the one-way service along along Overland Drive and Sixth Street. So that's over here, by uh, Free State High School. Uh, let me just zoom in there. So. Um, hopefully I have the direction right, but I believe that it travels along 6th in the uh, eastbound direction. Um, and then in the westbound direction, it travels along Overland, if if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Okay. And so the issue there is like, for example, if someone is going uh, to the high school, they have a pretty convenient trip if they're coming from downtown or from points uh, east, they have a pretty convenient trip to school. But then they have to walk a further distance to catch the bus going home. It's not terrible, um, but it is—it it isn't best practice. So we called that out. Um, opportunities for this service um, before we—before the hospital got built, um, it, you know, there may be an argument to be made given the ridership out here that maybe the route doesn't need to extend as far west as it does because the ridership kind of is concentrated at Wakarusa and east. So you could potentially truncate the route. This is I believe Walmart, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's Walmart. So you could end the route here instead of continuing all the way um, out to Rock Chalk. Um, That's probably not going to be our recommendation though because of the hospital. So, but we had that originally. also, you could shift the Rock Chalk Park service to another route that has direct access to KU, which this route lacks. Um, we understand that Rock Chalk is used both as a uh, kind of a rec center and sports facilities by the city or the, the residents of the city overall, as well as by um, KU affiliates. So, right now, there's not a super convenient way to get to Rock Chalk from KU. Uh, so, you know, that's an opportunity. Um, adding a few more stops west of Wakarusa to increase accessibility is an option and then also finding a single alignment uh, to operate on through through here by the high school. So those are some of the ideas we came up with so far. Uh, Any other thoughts?
6: The only thing I want to throw in is that 5401 Rock Chalk is the largest apartment complex in town. Um, There's also one on George Williams Way that's that's one of the second, third largest. Also, can the nine route service Rock Chalk since it does go to Sixth and Wakarusa and has the time or um, just to remove it from the six? That's the only thing I had.
2: Yep, I think that was one of the ideas we had for nine. Um, So we'll talk about that when we get to the nine, but yes. Uh, this
1: is not to be a naysayer about the hospital in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's, I, I think it does. Um, it probably demands a second look, but it's an outpatient facility, and so I mean, when you're, which is not to say that there aren't quite a few employees there, but I'm guessing that the employment is probably more like, you know, a large um, facility with multiple doctors' offices rather than having. You know, staff uh, on inpatient floors and whatnot. So I assume the the employment, the the number of individuals employed there is probably substantially less than at the hospital itself, and probably you know far fewer visits and and whatnot. So I'm not saying that it's not worth looking at, but um, I just caution against thinking of it as a hospital. It's more of a it's more of an outpatient services center so uh, i have no idea how many people are employed there
6: but and i also believe it's it specializes in cancer treatment if i believe if i'm correct
2: okay that makes sense um so outpatient yeah, services and and this could be another opportunity or use case for a demand response service so uh, if there if for example, the fixed route service were to terminate here but at the Walmart, that could be a jumping off point for a large um, on-demand zone that serves some of these very suburban land use neighborhoods um, that that might be more, you know, That's that, that sort of service is more conducive for auto, auto-oriented environments like, like suburban land use.
4: Hey Boris, this is Quiz again. And so um, what is the, travel time on this
2: route. Um, so you mean, how long does it take to get from downtown to out to Shock? Rock? From one end to the other. Okay. Uh, I actually don't have the schedule. actually
3: about 20, 25 minutes, depending okay. on which direction you're going.
2: And, and thanks, Margaret.
4: And I was just curious, you know, the comment about the really big apartment complex that's out there, um, yet we don't see high ridership and I'm just trying to trying to figure out at what point are folks saying the route is too long for me to consider taking the bus you know Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what that that is and I thought we would see higher numbers out here with the big apartment complex but
2: yeah it's a good good really good question so the these types of apartments um in Lawrence, are they? Are you seeing a lot of students living living out there? Or no, this are. is
7: this is Gary, uh, This is the Lynx, isn't it? Isn't that what we're talking about it here, is, north yeah. of the? Right. Okay, it, the Lynx is kind of a high-end. Uh, have your little. Up- apartment around a golf course. It's, 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 it's high end apartments. It's maybe some students live out there, but I would say most of the students live on the 23rd street apartments that are, gotcha. you know, that'll allow for numerous students in one apartment, you know, and their total different payment schedule and how they're arranged. The links is, the links is high end stuff and you're not, I don't think you're going to get a lot of bus people coming mm. out of there. Sure. I will say
3: anecdotally that we do get calls about it each year because people have chosen to move in there and then realize later that they are not on a bus route because that's almost a mile from the closest stop. And I, at Hilly, people are not going to walk to a bus
5: stop there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I wanted to add, was the fact that the, the distance to the bus stops there on Overland are pretty pretty significant.
7: I think this this is a prime a prime example of of a good application of on-demand service. Because the people who live out here can afford the little bit more it costs for on-demand service and and it takes away the need for them to worry about having to walk. I'm sure there's lots of elderly folks folks who who are in retiring at the links who are not going to walk a half a mile to a bus stop, but they'd like to use the bus. So uh, I would advocate a possibility of on demand for this neighborhood, for this entire region.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, this is Chris. I, I guess I would also throw out, you know, if as Queens Road is redeveloped, would Queens to, I don't know what the extension of Waparisa to the west is called. I don't know if that becomes Rockchalk Drive. Um, yeah, to the from there if you go on to the west, that's a through through road that goes right through the links complex. Mm-hmm. That's and, overland.
2: Uh, yeah, well, oh, no, so this is south, so this is overland. overland. This is yeah, right, overland so here. This is I think Wakarusa or Rock Chalk, I'm not sure what it's called here. Yeah, Probably I'm not both.
1: sure. <laughs> Whatever it's called there, I think it may be called Rock Chalk Drive west of Queens, but Queens is, as it is redeveloped here in the next couple of years, I guess one option would also be to pick up that complex more directly. I, yeah. Uh, North to Drive.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I, I think to kind of piggyback on something that Gary said, one, one additional benefit of a demand response service in a case like this where you're seeing a lot of development is that it not only is a good fit for the land use you're seeing out there because it's more auto-oriented, but also it's a, it's a good gauge of, of, de- of demand itself. Like it can be, it's sort of like a probe, you put it out there and you see where the ridership materializes, you can then follow that up in a year or two with a fixed route that, you know, you connect the dots of where you're seeing the ridership. Um, so that there's, that's another argument for uh, a more demand responsive approach out here.
5: Carol Bowen speaking. Um, I was looking at it from the destination perspective. Um, The recreation center is supposed to service the entire city, but it's very difficult to get to from the Southeast side. The high school also has, um, I would say a, a lot of need for transportation. They may not be using it yet. Is there any way that we could do some kind of targeted scheduling, strategic scheduling that would service those two activities? activity centers i
2: guess uh, the, you mean the high school and the, and Holcomb, the rec center
5: the, whatever whatever the yeah.
2: <laughs> so um i guess i'd have to ask what you mean by tar by targeted schedule because it, there are certain regulations and adam could probably speak to this pretty well um that do not allow for service to be designed as a kind of like a charter service to, to, to specifically serve like a, uh, like a high school, for example. If you have a service that is um, to open to the general public and it happens to go by a high school, that's all fair game. But if you're targeting your ridership or if you're targeting the design of your service just around a high school, then that gets into, um, there are some regulatory issues there.
5: Right, but we do have, We don't know about the hospital yet because it's Mm -hmm. too new. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some other medical offices out there. I was just thinking you have a high ridership at certain times and low ridership at other times, if you could plan that into a schedule.
2: Oh, sure, sure. So that, yeah, that's a good point because right now the the route operates Um, at 30 minutes all day Um, you could make the case that maybe it should operate more frequently during peak periods you know when school is is getting out or or kids are coming to school maybe even every 20 minutes and then um, hourly during other parts of the the day when there's just not a lot of activity uh, in that part of town that's certainly something that could be recommended having a uh, variable schedule like that. All right, um, we'll go on to Route 7 then, if that's okay? Okay. All right, so Route 7, which is here. Okay, so Route 7 um, is Another route that serves this South Iowa corridor, which, as we mentioned earlier, is a very destination-rich environment. Um, it also serves the other high school, the uh, Lawrence High School campus up here. Um, it has strong ridership on several trips. Um, actually, as uh, was just mentioned, the, those trips happen to be when school is getting in and out. So that's um, that's what we're seeing on Route Seven. Um, it has. Uh, pretty frequent service. Um, it currently operates 30 minutes all day and then strong on-time performance. Um, so the weaknesses of Route 7 are that it does, doesn't have Sunday service, um, which is you know a weakness on a lot of routes, uh, inconsistent alignment, which as I understand, has actually now been changed. So previously, buses would um, operate along Louisiana Street, in one direction, Kentucky Street, in the other. But I believe that now, now all the buses operate on Louisiana, coming and going. So this is actually a little bit inaccurate. Um, and then low, it also has low ridership west of Iowa Street. So that's these neighborhoods over here, uh, where you we are seeing uh, quite a drop off uh, in ridership out here. So. Few opportunities. One is to operate with more of a nuanced schedule, the um, you know 3060 or 2060 potentially, um, to improve productivity and lower frequency during unproductive times. Um, adding Sunday service would probably be recommended for this route, given the fairly high ridership the route seeing on Saturday. Um, operating, as I mentioned, a consistent alignment that's already happened. Um, and then replacing service west of Iowa with um, a demand response model um, due to the low ridership here. Um, Another idea is considering shifting service from Massachusetts Street to Haskell Avenue in order to balance the um, destination rich environment that you see on the south end of the route with more residential. So here we go. It's currently operating on Massachusetts, but we we mentioned earlier that Haskell has um, a pretty high concentration of multifamily housing. So if this route were extended to Haskell instead of Massachusetts, then the folks that are along this corridor would have access to all the retail on the South Iowa corridor. Any, any thoughts on that one? So
6: that route is kind of known as the Walmart route so how would six how would route six riders get to Walmart on South Iowa uh
2: you mean route seven or route six
6: well I'm just saying transfer some six like (laughs) seven is known as the Walmart route because it goes straight by Walmart from downtown so most people take the seven if you're taking the seven the four the seven or four how do you get to Walmart I'm sorry the six or the four how do you get to Walmart
2: okay so well the six you know, serves a different Walmart, first of all. So you do have access to that Walmart. If you're trying to get to this, to the South Iowa Walmart, then you could transfer downtown. Uh, I wasn't suggesting not operating on Massachusetts downtown. I was suggesting routing through Haskell and then coming back to downtown.
6: Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right.
5: Okay, I'm still unclear on that. Um, So you wouldn't be going both ways on Mass Street? Is that what you're saying? Uh,
2: No, no, no. So um, you would shift service um, to Haskell for this particular route. Other routes would still serve Massachusetts, this segment of Massachusetts Street. But um, this particular route, because it is such a destination-rich environment uh, on its south end, we would want to balance that with an area that has a lot of residential. So uh, Massachusetts has... uh, Less multifamily housing. It has multifamily housing, but less of it than Haskell Avenue. So you could connect the uh, retail and other destinations on the south end of the route with residential on the north on the north end by operating along Haskell and then maybe 11th into into downtown.
5: Where's South Park in the map?
2: South Park? on
5: um, Yeah. Um, it's, it's
2: Great.
0: Right by 11th, there Boris just south of 11th Street.
5: I can't see the print. It,
2: it's coming. It's coming.
5: <laughs> okay, so right now, the bus goes both ways, and you're saying it would not go both ways
2: there. Um, so one one idea would be to take service on Route Seven and shift it to Haskell Street, so it would not operate at all on Massachusetts south of Eleventh Street. That's not to say there would be no service on Massachusetts Street, there would be other routes that, that could provide that coverage, but because um, this particular route has so much retail on the south end, we would want to link it to an area with a lot of residential to balance it out.
5: Okay, so, and this is a very personal question, I apologize for this, but uh, on, on Louisiana Street, my grandson picks up Route 7 and takes it to a parochial school, just uh, on the west side of South Park. And he takes, he gets off and on on Mass Street, right by South Park. Mm-hmm. So that would be gone.
2: Um, well, so under the scenario that I just um, laid out, which is only an idea at this point, um, buses coming up Haskell would, co- you know, they'd go right by South Park on their way into downtown. So they would go up Haskell and then 11th street and then turn north on one of the north south streets to go into downtown. So if the school that you're referring to, is it this school here,
5: maybe?
6: It's- No. It's not it, it,
2: sorry.
5: It's um, west
6: of the- St. John's. Yes. Okay, Uh
2: right here, yep. So um, under that scenario, he may have to walk through the park if there was a stop on 11th street Um, Somewhere near Massachusetts, he'd have to walk through the park to get to the school. Uh, This is all very, very theoretical at this point. This isn't, you know, it's just just uh, uh, brainstorming ideas. But that's how um, it could work. Yeah, this is this is Gary
7: Weber. Um, uh, I, I can see the the attractiveness of the Haskell move to get it near residences, since it's so the South Iowa is a retail destination. But when I'm looking on the Ridership by stop map on the route. There's a huge amount of of, of boarding and disembarking on on Massachusetts street and I, you know, I I think we might, you know, it it might be a trade off or even a loss if we move to Haskell I, I like the idea but I think it's since so much of the ridership is picking up this bus on Massachusetts I can't imagine shifting it away from all those folks.
2: Right, and we talked about, for example, I think uh, Route Five. Let's let's just quickly um, revisit that. We hadn't one of the ideas on Route Five was to shift it to Massachusetts. Oops, uh, hold on, That's, my mouse got away from me. One second. All right, Route Five. Okay, so we talked about the the idea of you know maybe operating service um, on Route Five along the Massachusetts corridor. So something there, there, there's no scenario where Massachusetts would not have service. So the 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 question is is just what is the proper connection opportunity um, from Massachusetts? Like where do we? where do we anchor the service that operates on along massachusetts so there's a lot of different ideas um, that we could throw out and we will throw out different ideas in the two different scenarios that we're putting together Um, but there would be no scenario where massachusetts does not have service
1: this is chris i think the potential move to haskell i
2: think makes some
1: sense in relation to the Discontinuing the service to the west side—that seems like, uh, you know, like potentially a good trade-off. Would say on that on that
0: west side, like through the Holcomb neighborhood, we did, uh, I guess, two years ago, propose changes out that way. There, there's a challenging left turn from Lawrence Avenue on the 31st Street out on the south end of the route. There's no signal and can sometimes contribute to. On time performance challenges. Um when, when we looked at like taking service off of Lawrence and just taking it north-south along Iowa instead. I know we heard a lot from residents in that neighborhood who use the east-west connection to get themselves, get their kids to Lawrence High and, um, and uh, some of the other schools along the along the route. So just as background, I know we've heard before from that Lawrence Avenue of Holcomb neighborhood about, uh, they like that east-west connection over to like Billy Mills Middle School and and Lawrence High.
6: The Central Middle School is the big one there too.
2: Um, But it's by, oh, oh, uh, let's see. Central Middle School is where?
6: 1500 Mass.
2: Okay, yep, so it's over here. Or 1400 Mass. Okay,
0: okay. And Billy Mills is right at 27th and Louisiana. So kind of a straight east-west shot from that neighborhood.
2: Yep. 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 Okay.
7: This is Gary Weber. I, I'm. I know we need to move on, but this is one of the highest ridership routes in the city. I. I have trouble tweaking it. <laughs>
2: it works. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's uh, you know, status quo is also uh, always an option. The you know, our our role here is pointing out strengths and weaknesses. So the one weakness we did see was out here, um, Lawrence Avenue, the ridership was pretty low, Um, but overall, you're absolutely right. It's a pretty strong route. Okay. Um, Let's move on to route nine. Um, Okay. So route nine. Speaking of West of Iowa, um, we'll talk about Route 9. So Route 9 provides uh, crosstown service between Northwest Lawrence and South Lawrence. Um, it does provide access to a couple of really important destinations, the Social Security Administration and the VA, which are both um, located right here, or in this area along Wakarusa. Um, it does have a pretty easy to remember clock phase frequency. Um, it's operating every 60, minutes um, it provides weekday and Saturday service and it has good on-time performance the weakness is first of all in its ridership so um, it averages 2.8 riders a trip on weekdays actually has higher ridership on weekends 4.9 probably because of the retail connections um, on South Iowa um, has low ridership at most stops uh, other than the route term termini so, um, if we look at the ridership map, uh, it has its strongest ridership is kind of at the at the ends uh, of the route. Some of some of this ridership is actually associated with other routes where you, where you have multiple routes serving the same stop. So it kind of looks like there's more ridership than there than there really is. But um, if you look on your packet, if you if you printed that out or, or have that in front of you, you'll notice that the highest ridership is really at the end end of the line, the two ends of the line, for this route. Um, the other weaknesses. Um, there's actually an inconsistent alignment uh, through here. It's not shown on this on this map, but I believe that you have service on Clinton Parkway um, now. Is, is that correct, Adam? It, it operates along Clinton Parkway.
0: Um, we do, yeah. So because of there was a KDOT road pattern change down in the lower left of 23rd and. Uh, sorry, we're 27th and Wakarusa kind of curve into each other that forces one direction travel. There, we can only travel that whole loop in um, clockwise fashion. So, okay, we do travel like we can't travel south on or on Waparusa past Clinton Parkway, um, or else okay. that road forces us out on the highway.
6: And, Adam, didn't we discuss this once uh, about the ridership needs for the t- east west 24th street? stops I, I just vaguely remember us discussing this in the past
0: yeah we streamlined on West 24th Street we brought
6: we aligned
0: routes 9 and 29 together so there's bi-directional service there Okay. all, all the apartments there but that 27 walkers Inverness loop is currently a challenge due to road pattern changes it might it might change uh, with with some um, Walker's uh, South Lawrence Trafficway interchange work. Right. There's some potential for for better options for movements for us, but right now we're pretty limited.
2: Right, and you mentioned Route 29. Uh, so one of the things we noted is that the Route 9 does have some redundancy with both Route 10. There's a typo in the package. Route 19 and 29 it should be 10 and 29. So you can see um, Route 10 up here has some redundancy. With nine and then uh, route 29 on the south side also has some redundancy, so there's there's that. So um, opportunities for this route. Um, the other one one other weakness is that it's not anchored at a at a major transfer hub, so not not Ku or downtown. So opportunities, um, if possible, in the future operate along a consistent alignment here. Again, um, reduce some of the redundancy with other routes potentially by uh, linking this route with the Bob Billings tran- transit or transfer center. So potentially, you know, serving af- from, from uh, Castled or, is it Castled or castled? Castled? Continuing north on Castled to to the transfer center, um, that, that could be an option. Um, And then also just again replacing some of the service with demand response, uh, just because it is a very suburban uh, built environment, and um, demand response service may operate uh, a little bit more effectively in that kind of environment. Uh, I believe uh, so. All this also could be extended to to Rock Chalk, so that's that's another uh, idea. Or if if it is extended to Rock Chalk, you know. this alignment from Rock Chalk could potentially go down Bob Billings um, into KU. So there's a, there's a few different uh, options, but right now it's not a strong performer. So. This is Gary Weber. Uh, this one,
7: this route impressed me as the least, the least performing route pretty much on the whole scale. It And given the redundancy and its low performance, I think this is, you know, if we weren't seriously consider removing a route, this would be the one that I would look at most seriously.
2: Yeah, you, you're you're right that on many metrics, it's the worst performing um, of the Lawrence and routes. Okay, any other thoughts on that one? We, I
0: guess I'd just say in general, this is kind of one of those routes that highlights, um, you know, our attempts historically at coverage, right? We want to have service across our City, but but not fixed route has been our main tool in the tool belt, I guess. So it's it's interesting to me that to have some other tools we can look at to still get service out here when we've had um, fixed route trying to uh, trying to be the the one that solves it for a long time, and maybe it's not the best fit.
2: Yep, great point. Okay, uh, route ten. Try to speed it up a little bit. Um, so this is just generally a pretty strong, strong route. It has strong ridership and productivity on weekdays. Um, it does have a re- two really strong anchors. So KU and downtown. That's great. Um, relatively frequent service and easy to remember clock face frequency. So it operates 30 minutes uh, throughout the service day. The weaknesses of this route are relatively low Saturday ridership. And then the, the route also ends short of Rock Shock Park. So it, it actually you know, does connect downtown to KU. It could also c- connect both of those to Rock Chalk Park. We mentioned earlier that that's a destination where we probably would see ridership from both, both, uh, both hubs. Um, the, another weakness is that you have low ridership at most stops west of Castled. I'll turn on ridership real quick. Sorry, I turned it on and off. Yeah, so ridership is um, pretty strong up to up to here, and then it is fairly weak um, as you head further to further uh, west along Bob Bob Billings. Um, also, it has a fairly large one-way loop through downtown Lawrence. Um, so that is something that maybe could be addressed uh, through a more consistent alignment through downtown. Right now, it just kind of does a, a very large loop. Um, So so the opportunities are, first of all, what I just mentioned that uh, more consistent service through downtown, extending the route to Rock Chalk Park could could be considered, Um, reducing the Saturday service frequency um, or potentially even replacing the route on Saturdays with demand response service. Um, So those are a few ideas. Any, Any other thoughts or comments on that one?
5: I don't know how far apart um, the houses and whatnot are, but what would happen if we just had straight line service on 6th street and all the east west streets on the main on the main streets.
2: Uh huh. Um, so when you say straight line service on on 6th so 6th street is kind of the end of the line here, um, this is 6th right here so. um. It is a pretty direct service. So most of the service is on Bob Billings Parkway, and it it just it does stay on Bob Bob Billings, and it comes up Wakarusa. It it does an end of the line loop. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's clockwise or counterclockwise, but um, it essentially ends um, around Sixth Street.
0: Yes, I do want to build on Carol's comment, though. I think um, you know that kind of corridor type service where it's um, it's just kind of obvious where routes operate because they operate along the straight corridors is intriguing. It's all about figuring out where the endpoints of those are, I think. Do you, you, like on, let's say on those east-west corridors, do you ask everyone to do kind of unique transfers at Wakarusa, or do you take them all to one place like this area near Walmart? I think that's kind of where some of the questions lie with corridor level thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah. There, there are many examples of um, cities that have kind of a, a grid style approach to transit service. So Chicago is, is one of the maybe biggest examples of that. And they stay on the major corridors. And the trick to that, though, is um, you can make that work if you have high frequency on most of your routes all the time. Because if you have high frequency, you can keep every route on the, just right on the main corridors you don't have to worry about trying to sync up the schedules because no matter when you get off the bus there'll be another one coming along fairly soon so if you have um, you know 15 minute frequency on every corridor then you can get away with doing kind of this grid grid style uh, corridor network um, so some of the routes in Lawrence are operating every hour and so that doesn't blend itself to that kind of service but you know it's possible we could somehow make it work if we eliminated service where it's not you know, st- st- performing strongly and reinvest in higher frequency along the key corridors and then maybe fill any gaps with uh, like demand response service as a kind of a safety net. So there's always that possibility. In fact, maybe that's what one of our scenarios will look like, It'll, one will lean a little bit more heavily toward um, demand response service and another one will We'll try to expand coverage on fixed route a bit more. Okay. Um, next, we will look at 15. We're gonna skip 11. That's 11 is a coordinated route. So we're gonna skip that today. One more, one more thing on
0: route 10 boards. Um, I, I guess I see a, a lot of opportunity here with um, a portion of this route having high frequency, particularly between the new hub location campus and downtown. If there is, um, you know, some trips of this route could run the full length, but if there's high frequency on that, like connecting our two major hubs with KU in between, you can see a lot of value in that. Um, And there's also if you if you could briefly turn on route 30, which is a KU route, um, which operates along some consistent alignment.
2: Make it more visible one second
0: and that that particular route picks up um quite a bit of riders from the from the KU side and runs close so I think there's just some opportunity there whether it's between higher frequency between the new hub KU downtown or castle new hub KU downtown I think there's some we should look closely at if there can be a more higher
3: I agree the next area where I thought we could do coordination on our route, and so using those resources that way might be a really excellent opportunity for everyone. Yep,
2: yeah, good thoughts. Um, there's a few different ways you can achieve that higher frequency service in part of a route. You can either have what's called a short turn, so that's basic, that's similar to actually what's happening a little bit now with the 30 and the 10 sharing Part of their alignment, one is shorter than the other. It's just, it's called a short term because it turns back. Another way to, to do that would be something like if, let's say, the Route 9 came up, um, castled and then went, uh, to went east to the Bob Billing, the new Bob Billings facility, and then continued into KU and downtown. So you, you essentially over overlay. Two routes, um, and you offset their schedules so that, in effect, in, where they have a common alignment, you can achieve fifteen-minute service frequency if each of them is operating every thirty minutes. Um, so there's there's a few different ways you can you can do that. Okay,
0: I do want to elevate a comment from the chat that uh, JT put in there that um, just asks about. Um, Recognition or consideration about people using the bus and bicycle together and measuring the potential of that. Um, so I, I know as we as we start building scenarios, that'll be uh, important to, to think about the, um, the bike network as well. So I'll just I'll read the comment here. So no um, recognition being given to the transportation choice of bus and bike. Any attempts made in survey to measure current slash potential began to use the bus only to for example traverse twenty three or maybe twenty third street without having to bike it. Occasionally the two right backs on two right two bike racks on a bus are filled. Mm,
2: yeah. Yeah it's a great point because um, you can you know in a transit network you can only go so far on the bus. But if you have a bike with you you can extend even further and vice versa. Most people only go so far on a bike but if they have if they have access to a bike rack they can Go even further on the bus, so joining the two is is a you know mutually beneficial kind of relationship for both uh, both modes. Um, it's not all. I, I think to be fair though, there's a lot of transit riders. Some transit riders will use bikes as their first and last mile connector, but many will not. Um, you know, if you're traveling with children, if you're traveling with groceries and so on, there's uh, kind of that factor, the convenience factor of can you really continue on your trip on a, on a bike? So that's something that we also have to keep in mind um, as, as the, you know, as we t- talk about different modes of, of travel. All right, but I'm all for uh, improving bike amenities and bike infrastructure in general. All right, let's talk about 15. Okay, so um, 15 provides a really important connection. It, it does link uh, downtown to the um, Peasley Technical Training Center, which is over here. Um, it's it, it does have an easy to remember clock face frequency and it provides service on weekdays and Saturdays, but it's a pretty circuitous route, so somebody downtown going to the office park has to deviate through Peasley and vice versa going home. They may have to go through there to go back downtown. So um, that's that's a bit of a weakness. Um, The weak transit potential along Barker Avenue is another weakness. Um, We just have not seen strong ridership along that corridor. Um, There's not a lot of multifamily housing to to necessarily generate ridership and the stops that we are seeing there are are fairly weak. So some of them are not used at all. Um, So that's something to consider. Um, And then very low ridership on Saturdays and generally low ridership overall with fewer than five passengers per trip um, on most weekday and Saturday trips. So the average is three three passengers a trip on weekdays, 1.4 on Saturdays. So some, some ideas for this service that we could consider. Um, one would be streamlining,
3: oops, sorry about that.
2: Streamlining the route um, so that it, uh, it deviates, so basically cutting out the deviation to the um, technical training school. Of course, that's an important destination. So if we were to Eliminate that deviation, we would need to find some other way to serve this. So again, maybe demand response is an option. Um, Maybe you replace service south of 23rd Street overall with demand response service, Um, and then maybe modify the route to to serve a stronger corridor than Barker, Uh, maybe Massachusetts. So potentially that could be another route that operates on Massachusetts. Um, and maybe eliminate Saturday service due to low ridership. So those are some preliminary ideas.
6: This is August Woodiselle. I don't see the need for a 15-go to, to East Sales Business Park, but the South Haskell location has three primary locations. The Boys and Girls Club is there, as well as the Kansas Department of Labor and, uh, Workforce Center is there. And uh, like you said, the Peasley Education Center is there as well.
2: Okay. Great. Great to know. Um, Okay, any other thoughts about that? And then this is, we have one more left. So I know everybody's probably (laughs) had enough of me talking, but we have one more to go. All right, let's do the last one. And then um, any last questions we can get after that? Just real quickly, Boris, um, before you leave 15,
7: this, I think it's critical that we provide for those things that, that august just mentioned this might be an opportunity to it, it seems redundant to go to the east hill business park from here uh, so perhaps we could just terminate it at peaslee and then head back up north again mm-hmm. um or or some if you need additional space you know serve that neighborhood that's south south of south of 24 a little bit better with instead of going to the east hill business park mm-hmm that's I all. was wondering
5: if the East Hills Business Park was ever used by Peasley. Do they have students going back and forth?
2: Well, I, I'm not sure. Um, the Peasley stop in general is not heavily used. Um, so 2.7 boardings, uh, about one alighting a day. So for whatever reason, it may be because it I don't know. Maybe it's a bit too circuitous of a route. I'm not. I'm not sure why, but for some reason, it it hasn't attracted strong ridership.
6: I think in 2019, all that that entire location was pretty new, especially the Boys and Girls Club. We had just moved there, and Peasley Tech was only a year or less old, maybe two years old.
2: Okay. Yeah, that that would help explain it. All right. Um, let's look at Route 27. So Route 27. Provides the pretty important link between uh, KU and the Haskell campus, um, and it also connects both campuses to this fairly dense concentration of housing and, and retail um, that's kind of south of 23rd Street um, between Louisiana. Oh, let's see, Louis. This is this is Louisiana Street, isn't it? Is that Louisiana? Street, yeah. Louisiana yeah, and definitely. Alabama. Yep, between Louisiana and Alabama, south of 23rd Street. So the weaknesses are that um, you have lowest total ridership among Lawrence Transit routes. Um, you also have relatively little ridership activity on the Haskell campus. Um, and then infrequent and non-clock face frequency because it operates every 40 minutes. So that's you know both infrequent and not, not clock face. Um, and it, it only operates during the school during the school semester during the long semesters. So it potentially, you know, with the route kind of disappearing during the rest of the year, it may create a bit of a disruption for any other riders from these neighborhoods that are not associated with with the schools. Um, so some of the ideas for improving the service uh, we could consider shortening the route to allow for clock face frequency. So rather than uh, having it operate as a 40 minute route. Maybe it operates as a 30 minute route. Different ways to shorten it could be either cutting out Haskell or maybe streamlining service and cutting out you know the circulation along Louisiana um, and Alabama. Um, you could also potentially extend the route further to create a 60 minute service or interline it with something to create a 60 minute service rather than 40. 40 is just like a really awkward frequency. It's like neither here nor there. And um, you could also replace the route with demand response service that operates year round rather than just a, a school calendar focused uh, fixed route service. So any any thoughts on any of those ideas?
5: I, I'm wondering why, why you would include Haskell and that residential area on 23rd street on the same route.
2: Um, I'm guessing uh, that it has to do with the fact that this area has apartments that are pretty popular with students. And so uh, folks who live here in this neighborhood probably are as likely to attend one college as the other, or maybe more likely to attend KU because it's bigger, but just in general, the students are probably attracted to this neighborhood from both campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, Haskell my...
5: student. Haskell students. Oh. Live- Haskell students live on campus for the most part. Okay. Um, I will, I actually know the answer
3: to this question. Uh, the city added this route when KU changed a route to start the coordinated route 29 and the ridership was low enough that having the service that we had that was quite a bit more frequent than every 40 minutes. Uh, or the, it was low enough that that wasn't necessary and so we moved our service to the coordinated route and the city started this route to catch uh, people who still needed bus service but didn't need it to be as high frequency as other KU routes.
6: And wasn't uh, this supposed it, to alleviate the number five going through the high new loop.
3: No, that wasn't really the intention it was to oh, okay. connect. It was to connect Haskell to KU for the students who were doing right. the yeah. program crossover. and make it so that they didn't have to travel a long distance and then transfer in order to get
5: to KU campus. And, and when all- that was done, uh, after that Haskell changed its programs and it had more four-year programs and the students were not going to take very many KU classes. Somebody needs to ask the school um, if they're if they're sending students up to KU anymore. I mean, Haskell students need transportation, but do they need it to KU?
2: Okay.
0: I I do know that came up in conversation with with these students who are um, a a part of the steering committee, haven't had a chance to join us as much, uh, but I know in in early conversations with them, they spoke strongly about um, that connection and the, the importance of students who do that program includes classes at at both campuses. So I I do think it's something we want to continue to consider, whether it's this alignment or some other alignment. Uh, You know, how how do people get between ASCO and KU? I I think it's something we need to maintain in some form.
2: Okay. So that, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, covers all 10 routes that we were planning to cover today. Um, Next time, we meet in a month, we're gonna talk about the university routes. Um, So I think we got a lot of really good feedback. Um, We've been taking notes and uh, we'll incorporate some of the feedback that that we've heard tonight in our scenarios. Um, But yeah, I think that's that's really all I have on the agenda, Um, unless anybody else has any comments or questions.
5: Boris, getting back to the corridor idea, Mm the east west streets are the ones that connect our more suburban like neighborhoods with our core neighborhoods and it just seems like we could there are only like three um streets Sixth street maybe ninth street 23rd street that go clear across that we ought to be able to take advantage of that somehow
1: Hmm.
2: yeah yeah um that that is something that we could try to incorporate into one of our scenarios. Uh, you know, again, I just would, would say that we've, ha- we've seen, uh, from experience on 23rd Street, as just one example, we, we haven't seen strong ridership along this corridor when the route is not anchored at a, at a key hub. So the corridors themselves, while they do have some important destinations along them, um, they have retail along them, they have residential along them. In in many cases, it's the kind of approach to those corridors that is a challenge. Um, It's not a, you know, the pedestrian environment isn't great in some cases. Yes, it's improving. um, But these, the services that seem to do best are those that are linked to key hubs like KU and downtown. Um, So we, You know we can't ignore that that fact. Um, So it's something. Maybe there's a way we can we can kind of balance where we have service along these main like Clinton Parkway or 23rd Street up until Iowa, and then that you know then from there we head toward a hub like KU and sort of have you know a fork in the road sort of design, but. Uh, As far as like a a pure grid where buses are running just along the east-west corridors and just the north-south corridors, um, I I think that'll be a harder, I think it'll be harder to to generate strong ridership um, under that model, but we can always take a look.
0: Of course, I will just, um, JT, put another comment in the chat and ask, asked me to read it so you can hear it if you're not able to access the chat. So um, he he says no recognition being given to the intersection of bus routes and the loop. So when he says the loop, he means the Lawrence loop, which is a um, recreational bicycle pedestrian trail that encircles the the city that is about 80, 80, 85% done, I believe. Um, Those are only recreational cyclists who are apt to drive to, for example, the youth sports complex to put a bike onto the loop. Mm. So biking from the county, for example, Eudora, DeSoto, KC, East Hills bus stop is a means of avoiding the urban bike ride to downtown. Okay. combo making working in Johnson County um, and biking in it. So that is, I mean, there are, I think that's worth thinking about just how we interact with with some of those recreational areas that tend to be on the edges to a certain extent.
2: Yep. Good, good comment. Anything else in the chat? I don't believe so. Okay. So um, it's seven thirty or almost seven thirty-five. So um, thank you all. This this was uh, our first opportunity to take full advantage of our longer meeting format. So I guess it was worth it uh, this time. And it may be again at, at our next meeting. Um, ho- uh, hopefully they won't all go two hours, but you never know. So- hey, Boris,
4: this is Quiz. Mm-hmm. Could, could whoever set the meetings up, the invites, could you guys adjust those to two hours so they reflect that on schedules? Um, it would just okay. help me organizationally wise i'll do a quiz i didn't get that done before this meeting but i'll
2: make that change. thank you okay all right well thank you all and have a good evening thanks boris all right bye